Thanks for tuning in to the hottest talk radio show around. Providing an open discussion for some of the most important social issues and trending topics today. From personal growth or spirituality to sex and relationships, no subject is ever taboo. So prepare to be empowered, enlightened, and entertained during another episode of the award-winning Let's Face It with Will Strayhorn and Friends. Real people, real topics, real talk. Hey, 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 welcome back to the show. It has been, what, since December the 30th, 2019, since we had our last episode. And like I told you then, I told you it was just a short break. I was going to go away, do a couple things. We did some um, video podcasts. We did the chat. We did live with Will Strayhorn and friends. And I went off and did a couple other things. So um, as I mentioned, we're back again um, Pretty much the same format that we did in 2019, starting in 2014, I believe, is when we began with the very first episode. Um, and tonight, I'm bringing on, she's a good friend of mine. I got, had the opportunity to meet her um, not quite a year ago. Um, she was in the area, in our neighborhood, and um, she's a very sweet person. She's going to come on. She moved away from us, so, you know, it was it was like, Four or five of us, they kind of hung tight in the neighborhood, but, you know, she decided to stretch her wings, and we wish her well, but we're going to bring on to the show right now my friend and my very first co-host of Season 9. Please help me welcome Miss Summer Rain. Welcome to the show, Summer. How are you doing? Good. Thank you for having me. I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing good, doing good. So, so. I was just explaining to the audience that, you know, you were part of our, our our crew here. You still are. You went off to spread your wings and set us up a new home in Charlotte. So how are things going, boo? I did. Um, I'm excited. Um, so far, I've only been here for maybe like almost two weeks. So I'm still, you know, getting to know the area. But, I mean, I really, I really am enjoying myself. When I smell the air, it smells like home. Um, so I think I made the best decision at this, in this season of my life right now. So I've met a few people, I've, um, attended a few, um, functions and stuff like that and have a few things lined up. So I'm excited to, for this next chapter in my life. Well, it's good. So are you, so is this your first time, like, going away on your own, away from home? Um, no. So... Originally, I was born in Ohio, but I was raised in Virginia. So I guess you can call Virginia my home, but I have traveled outside of Virginia. I used to live in Georgia, um, a small town called Macon, and then I lived in Indiana for a little bit for a couple years, and then I moved back to Virginia. So, I mean, I am a – I'm open to new adventures, new things. So, But this place here is where I wanted to go, so I think I'll be here for a while. Okay, all right. So we were talking this weekend. So we're coming down. They already told you we're coming down in August, right? Yeah. We already got yeah. hotel reservations so for Big Frida so we can turn up again. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited <laughs> to see her. Never seen her before, yeah. but I've seen her in concert. Yeah, I'm like, just excited um, to see you. Oh. Aw. I'm excited to see you. Yes. <laughs> 
yes. So yes, let me see. So, yeah, so Miss Summer Rain. Where, where does that name come from, Summer Rain? I can see it on you, but what what what's what's the, what's the mystery behind Summer Rain? There's really honestly no mystery. Like for some odd reason, I just have, I always thought I didn't have imagination. I wasn't creative. But like as I get older, I have started to tap into and just saying, yes, you are. You are imaginative. You are creative. Like you are all things, honey. You are all yeah. things. So, yeah. all that. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know. Like a couple of years ago, like I was on like this little DJ. I wanted to be a DJ, so I named myself DJ Rhyme Time. It's a mm-hmm. whole running joke with my family. It's crazy. And then a couple of years after that, I was like, I want to be called Roxy. So I have no idea. Just like every few years, a name just pops up, and it's like, I wouldn't say it's an alter ego because I'm still myself, but it's just mm-hmm. like maybe a new chapter, a new person, like a new blossoming of, you know, me. So Okay. Well, Miss Summer Rain, all right. I need to think of me uh, another name, a stage name, other than Will. I don't even use my whole name because that's just too long to say, but just Will Straight. I'm going to think of me a name. By mid-season, I'm going to have me another a stage name. But we're going to go ahead and jump right into Table Talk. Um, so the question of the day, I posted a, earlier today. Um, so here's the scenario. Over the weekend, I purchased these cards um, from this company. I can't even think of the company's name. But if you see the show flyer, um, you'll see the, the company that offers these cards. Wonderful. We went to this couple's um, get-together over the weekend, and I brought the cards. So this was one of the questions. A woman refuses mm-hmm. to dance with her date at a club. Later, she spots him on the dance floor with another woman. She gets upset and leaves. Who is wrong? In, in my ask me, or you want to do the top, like, the, has people answer, or you want me to answer first? Well, I mean, if they call in, you know, you can call in oh, guests okay. at 515-605-9351. Again, that's 515-605. 9351 if you want to reply to the questions. I also posted it on Facebook and some certain groups. So I'm always checking to see if anyone posts a response. I haven't seen any yet. Or if you give me a call here, we'll we'll bring it in. But right now I'm gonna open up to you, Summerine. What do you think? Um, she's wrong. Um, you can't why why did you Okay, so here's my thing. So you go on a date and you realize you're not interested in that person. That's fine. So you tell the person, you, to me, out of respect, I feel like you should say, you know, you know, it was good, we had a good time, but, you know, maybe I'm not feeling this or something along those lines. But for her to get mad and get mad, like, you didn't dance with that person, him, for a reason. So apparently right. she wasn't interested in him. So for you to, I, I'm just saying she's at fault because she got mad. Like, you can leave. Mm-hmm. You can just say, like, hey, we're not feeling it or whatever, and then you leave. Or stay there, not feeling this. You go your way, I go my way. But if y'all decide to do that, you got to you gotta eat whatever comes, you know, whatever you see. If they right. out there partying, having a good time, that's technically what you're supposed to be doing. Exactly. So, so no fault is- for him. So with my significant other, you know Justin don't have any rhythm. 
So whenever we go out and dance, I love to dance. I always kill the dance floor mm-hmm. doing something. Um, but he don't dance. So because I know him, I don't dance, I don't go out and dance with anybody else unless you know it was us going out. Like I danced at Renee's son's graduation. I danced with her on the dance floor. Mm-hmm. But I I know Justin would be the dude that would be up and gone. He would get an attitude, he would leave, or he would stay there with the attitude and not have to deal with it all night. So, I mean, I, I don't know, but like you said, when you go to a party, you, you expect it to have fun. That's what you're there for. And me personally, if I was like, if I knew that my spouse liked to dance, and I was just like, no, I don't want to dance, then if I saw them out there dance, I mean, as long as they weren't on grinding or twerking or nothing like that, being disrespectful, I would mm-hmm. be cool with it because, I, you know, the choice was mine. I chose not to dance. That's, that's just how I feel about it. But we love to hear about how you, you feel about it. You can call us again at 515-605-9351 or on our Facebook page at Let's Face It Radio. Um, and I'll be checking throughout the show to see if anyone um, responds to it. But we're going to jump right into our first topic. Um, Gabrielle Union and Dwayne Wade. So Dwayne Wade, that's for the back back story of it. You know, um, Gabrielle Union, she went on some show and she was talking about their finances. And she was just saying everything is split 50-50. Dwayne Wade came Mm -hmm. out and, you know, he had to break it down and say, well, that's, that's partially true. So here's the back story. Dwayne Wade, age 41, his net worth now, mind you, is $170 million, said that he and Gabrielle Union, his wife, who's 50 years old, and her net worth is $40 million, made the decision to contribute equally to their household after, um, back in the day, he had an argument with her uh, when he was working in Florida, and he said um, that they were in my house that I paid for. He said that my wife looked at me and said, you will never say that to me again when it's something that we share. So he recalls that when they moved to L.A., his wife said, I got half on it. You will never save my house again. You can save that for the Mm -hmm. arena. So she was true about that. So Wade said Mm -hmm. that he and Gabrielle Union only split two things now, 50-50. That includes their house and shared Mm -hmm. expenses with their four-year-old child, Kavia. Uh, when it comes to mm-hmm. the other expenses, because they both said that they have family members that they support, they pay that 100% separately. So according to him, they also signed the prenup to protect each one of their individual's finances. So I'm asking you, you know, you're in this relationship. He clearly makes, what, three times, four times yeah. more what she has? <laughs> a lot, um, a lot. Do you think that she could do 50-50 with their significant other? Mm. Well, um, in my past relationship, um, this most recent relationship that I'm in, coming out of, we did 50-50 for our entire relationship. Um, Now, there was, you know, a point where I was making majority of the relationship a little bit more, but she did, you know, contribute 50-50. So I can see how, you know, 50-50 
and the dynamic is different because we were lesbians. So it's two women, you know, contributing now. When it comes to heterosexual and men and women, they have different views. So mm-hmm. mine was 50-50. Going forward, I think it will be still 50-50, but I would rather someone make more than me. So Really? So that, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Don't they absolutely. ask me this. Because this is my deal. And I want you know, real talk, this is real talk all the way through. So if you dated somebody who was significantly younger than you, would you still be okay with them making more than you? See, here's the thing. I would never date anyone. <laughs> I would oh. never date anyone significantly younger than me. I'm not really? going younger anymore. No. And I know okay. age has nothing to do with mentality sometimes, but uh-huh. – I will never date younger. I will date older and established, and I want to get to where you are. If I'm not there, I want something that I'm shooting for. Mm-hmm. So that's where I'm going with that. Okay. So I, I, so, don't, I don't see myself going younger at all. So in in my marriage, we, we're not 50-50 because initially there was a significant salary difference. So, of course, mm-hmm. you know, I took on most of the brunt. But I, I wanted it to be at least – I didn't want anyone to feel like they were kept. So yeah. it, I think it was equal sacrifice but not equal amount. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. tables have almost turned. I mean, my spouse now is making very close to what I make. Um mm. And I and I and I revisited it because I was like, okay, well, I think now we can get close to the fifty-fifty. They had a fit. That <laughs> was like, no. So I mean, that was something we had to we had to take up in counseling because I was like, no, dude, yeah. no. That yeah. I'm not feeling that. So I, I I I'm I think, and like you said, in heterosexual relationships, it is quote unquote expected to be the provider. Blase, blase, mm-hmm. you know, with times changing and, you know, feminism and women being boss leaders, you know, a lot of the times, mm-hmm. like Gabrielle, they are contributing a lot more to it. And our type of relationship, mm-hmm. same, same gender loving relationships, you know, there really yeah. is that blurred line as far as like role expectancies or whatever. But, and, I, and I think it's really individual to the couple. But for me and mine, number one, I've never been comfortable dating anybody who made more than me. And I know that was probably just something superficial. Um, but what I can say is it gives me it, it gives me a lot of incentive and push to get on my hustle so that I can That's get off my lazy butt and just make things happen. So, you know, kudos to my spouse for making them digits and bringing more into the house and just putting some fire up under me to get off my ass and, and, and get the working. So, yeah. That's that. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I mean, I'm yeah. not asking for them to make more than me in the sense of, like, to be kept. I just want – I feel like Gabrielle Union, I will never walk away from anything and you say you did X, Y, and Z. And right. maybe I need to go to therapy more. <laughs> but no. I don't want that to happen. Like, I pull my weight, and when we walk away, we walk away with what we came in with, and we split it down the middle. Like, I'm not – no, I don't want to do that. So. I feel you. I feel you. So what's your topic? Okay. So I got a letter. I found this letter, which was really interesting. So 
it's anonymous advice. So let me see what your advice is. So this year, says we call her Susan. Susan said, this year I made myself a promise that if I met someone that made me think about marriage, I would stop serial dating and focus on her. So around the same time I met her, I met someone else. I started having a sexual relationship with the second person. The second person provided the best sex of my life, but I'm now going to end this in the next two weeks after we go on, like, a small road trip together. So here's the advice. Anyhow, the one that I discussed actually having a meaningful relationship with is a great woman and deserves my all. But I'm sleeping with the other person, and the other person is saying she's ready and wants us to be together. but I met them both at the same time. So what do I do? Do I press my luck and hope the good woman slows down and, you know, wants to kind of be with me and we, you know, make this a thing and I catch up with her after the, you know, like after the trip, I slow down, I be with her and I'm with her. Or should I continue the serial date because I just don't know, you know, what the other, per- like what the other person would give me, like this person that, you know, wants a relationship if it's worth slowing down for. So my question is, I don't know what my question is. So this person, (laughs) this person, yeah, because I'm all types of confused. So this person has somebody who Uh there is potential in there and and they've expressed it, but they're curious about this other person? Yeah, Uh uh-huh. So they're sleeping with they they're not sleeping with the main person they're sleeping with a separate person, and so she's okay. scared to to get rid of the second person that she's sleeping with to tie to like get in a relationship with the main person because she just don't know like how it's going to turn out. So and, and she's the one that said the main with the main person she don't want to sleep with that person until they're like serious or something like that. Yep. Uh huh. That don't make no type of sense. What I don't. But you'll sleep with the other person. Yeah. Girl, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't. feel like she needs to let I, me personally. I feel like she needs to let the person go that is a serious person? person that wants marriage and all that. Let her go. You are not ready to focus on one person. If you have two people, one is a potential, one is a good person, and all this type of stuff, but you still dibbling and dabbling in something else. Let that main person go and find somebody that's good for her that wants the same things that she wants, and you continue to sleep with that other girl or you find somebody else, you keep serial dating because you're not ready. You're not, so she's not ready. She's, scared. she's I think not she's ready scared. because she's still curious? Yeah, I think she's scared to settle down. Like, uh, not to get too deep, but there are some times where people <laughs> – <laughs> People don't want to, they want to do what they want. It's the whole have your, whatever it is, have your cake and eat it too or whatever, whatever. But it's, I um, I don't want you to go anywhere, but I want to, let me go outside for a little bit. Uh, I got you. I got you. No. 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 You go outside and you stay outside. You make sure you leave the key and you leave your bags and you go out. You go ahead, go out there. It's a right. whole world. Like, 
Right. Bye-bye. Right, right. So, so it's that have your cake and eat it too type thing. Yeah, whatever the saying is, because you know they change the saying every every day. But yeah, it's every, like every, I want. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She, I think she yeah. wants to keep that main person around because she knows that she's a potential. She's a good for marriage. Like she's a good person. And when she's I'm solid. ready, I know that this person, yeah, it's gonna be right. Right But let in the meantime, let me go see how this is. Let me go see how this water feel over here, and I mm-hmm. can compare the two. I got you. Yeah, no, she asked wrong on that one. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. That kind of segues into the the next topic that we were talking about, which respectful cheating. We we talked about this at that couple night. This guy heated, heated. Oh, I God. mean, oh. and you know, I like to play devil's advocate, but here it goes. Mm-hmm. So, TV star Megan James, she had um, a social media interview. This is some while ago. Um, following her disclosure that cheating is not a a bone of contention in her relationship. Once it's done, quote, unquote, respectfully, James commented while responding to a question on infidelity on the new reality TV show Notorious Queens. The former Bad Girls Club star explained that cheating respectfully means cheating where I don't find out and having control over your other woman. She also added that cheating was only disrespectful it would warrant a breakup if her partner brings home PD, gets someone else pregnant, or is gay. Now I'm going to bring. I'm going to just play the clip of her talking. Hold on. Let's move to Denver and retire together. No, I need somebody that sometimes still people got millions that, and retire. But I don't want that. I want to still have fun and build with my man. Okay. I want to build. Yes, you want him to be active. Active. Okay. I need a person that values me. Okay. My person is at least six feet. How tall are you? I'm five five. I like. I'm a big girl. For my size, I'm thick. I need somebody to make me feel like I'm six small. Six feet though, because you know the average height for a man is like five eight. Okay, well average height for me <laughs> I believe in cheating respectfully. I never tell my man like, oh, you can go cheat on me. So cheating respectfully to me is cheating where I don't find out. Is having control over your other women. Is using condoms and not having babies like. Cheat respectfully because, believe it or not, your man is cheating. But I'm not leaving my man over a one-night stand with a period. I will only leave my man for three weeks, three things. You bring me home an STD, you have a baby on me, or if you gay. Everything else is work outable for me. Like, period. I used to say that there was levels to cheat. It's levels. So, you know, you can get up. That don't mean nothing. Yeah. But, you know, yeah. don't bite a bitch nut and don't make her feel special. Right. You can't even do that. Don't, don't make her feel special. Because, yeah, she can't be more special than right. Damn, yeah. that's crazy. Okay, so now I am not condoning infidelity. Let me first preface mm-hmm. with that. I'm not condoning infidelity. I'm just saying that there are ways to do it if, you, if you're going to do it. Because like she said, nine times out of ten at some point, and especially in a marriage, and I had to have this conversation, that when you say those words until death do us, part. Forever is a long time for you not to say that you're going to even have a thought of being with somebody else, seeing somebody else that you're attracted to or whatever. And, now, and again, it's, not, it's hard to say this without saying that I condone it. I do not condone cheating at all. But if you do it, do not let me find out about it. 
we shouldn't even be able to have a conversation about it. I should know nothing about it. And that should mean that there should be no whispering going on in the community. I shouldn't be getting anonymous texts that I saw your your man or whatever, X, Y, and Z. God knows don't bring me home nothing. All of that. This is just saying that I know how humans are. And in same-sex relationship, I know how men are, very physical, very sexual beings, that I know what could happen, but if it's going to happen, you do it respectfully. Don't let me find out about the shit. That's what it is for me. Now, let me just calm down. And how, What do you say? <laughs> That's got to be the dumbest thing I ever heard. I don't agree with no... <laughs> I don't agree with no respectful cheating, none of that. I understand being married, and there are things... First of all, what is workoutable? She said workoutable. I don't even understand what that means. But anyway, there are things that you do go through in a marriage, and there are some things that you, you know, you have your seasons, things that are trying. But everyone, being married is, you take a vow, and it's a long time. And so you also have to keep in mind that you are human, and there's some things that you may not be able to deal with. Cheating, being cheated on could drive a person a little, you know, like I don't want to say crazy or insane, but it could drive them there because now it's a lot of thoughts. When you leave the house, what you doing? When you, you know, packing a bag, where you going? Like when you're on your phone laughing, who you who you laughing with? Who who you snickering with? You know, and and it takes a lot of growth spiritually to do that, but there's just a lot of things that you just don't have to deal with. Like I don't have to stay just because I said I want to be, you know, married for the rest of my life because you decided to step out on us. That's not right. fair. That's not fair right. to me to say I I need to stay here for the rest of my life with you because I took a vow. No. No, other things, yes, like, you know, lying, maybe gambling a little bit, you know, depending on how far you're putting us in a hole and stuff like that. But domestic mm-hmm. violence and cheating, that is a no-go for me. And drugs. No, no, no. So that is a 100% I don't, I don't no-go? Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, I'm out. I'm out. There's no talking about it. Hmm? Okay. Okay. Yep. No. Mm-mm. And I don't think that you can respectfully cheat either. Like, I don't think that just because you are not buying her things or it was a one-night stand and you didn't tell me means that's respecting me. That's not respecting yourself because mm-hmm. you're not respecting yourself. You, you're hiding stuff. So now you got something eating you alive, and if you are a man of God or a person of, you know, a spiritual factor, you said that you wasn't going to be this type of person. You know, you vowed to be a decent human being. Like a mistake is a mistake, but there's some people do intentionality. And so there's now you got to find the line. Was it intentional? Was you out drinking? Like there ain't no slipping in the bed with somebody. You can't trip all the way up to the bed. And no, <laughs> right. I don't think, right. So I don't that's think that you meant to do that. That's our accident. Right. So if you cheat and I never find out, I can't really say anything about that. You know what I'm saying? Like there's nothing I can say because I never found out. But I would hope that you never did that to me, that mm-hmm. you have to carry that with you because that's going to be a weight that you got to carry yeah. on you. And then if I ever find out, it's just going to be worse, you know, because so, you carried it for so long. Holding stuff back, 
and being a liar. Ooh, okay, next topic. Okay. Um, <laughs> you know what? You know what? Actually, our guest is now in the studio. I see them in. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick commercial break, and we're going to come back with uh, our first guest, Mr. Christopher Willers. So we'll be right back. You've been listening to Let's Face It with Will Strayhorn and Friends. We'll be right back. You're never completely ready to adopt a teen. For late nights writing English papers. For your teen's music taste. For dinners, where they talk more on their phone than with you. For the first time, they call you mom. You're never completely ready to adopt a teen, and you can't imagine the reward. To learn more about adopting a teen, visit AdoptUSKids.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt US Kids, and the Ad Council. Adopt US Kids presents What to Expect When You're Expecting. A teenager learning the lingo. Today I'm going to help parents translate teen slang. Now, when a teen says something is on fleek, it's exactly like saying, that's rad. It simply means that something is awesome or cool. Another one is totes. It's exactly like saying totally, just shorter. As in, I totes love going to the mall with Becca. Another word you might hear is jelly. Jelly is a shorter, better way to say jealous. As in, Chloe, I am like so jelly of your unicorn phone case. You don't have to speak teen to be a perfect parent. Thousands of teens in foster care will think you're, um, rad just the same. To learn more, visit AdoptUSKids.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, AdoptUSKids, and the Ad Council. You're now listening to Let's Face It with Will Strayhorn and Friends. Now back to the show. All right. So our first guest, Mr. Christopher Willis, he is a a man who served 16 years and 11 months in prison for robbery. Uh, he has a true story of redemption. He's currently the principal of a cosmetology school in Georgia, demonstrating that you can control your future regardless of your past. As we welcome Christopher Willis to this program, let's get ready to be in, motivated and inspired. Welcome to the show, Christopher. How are you? I'm good, man. Thank you for having me. How are you doing? No problem. No problem. Thank you so much for being on the show. Um, I saw your information online when I was on, I believe it was a, a, a Facebook group. And I told my assistant that I definitely wanted to have you on the show. Um, Cause okay, like cool. I, I, re- I had reached out to you that, you know, we share a lot that I'll share a little bit later on. Mm-hmm. But give, give, give us background about, you know, what happened. Yeah. Um, it's kind of funny. I, I like to always start from here and work back. But in short, okay. you know, he kind of touched. Yeah, I just say in short, he kind of already touched on it. Um, I am the owner and principal or co-owner of Lasting Layers of Beauty Institute, uh, Cosmetology School here in Georgia. Um, also a prisoner's rights advocate, mental health advocate. But as you said, 16 years, 11 months, I served in prison. Um, I always like to give to where I'm at and then where I was anytime I open up um, mm-hmm. because it, you just touched on it. It gives everybody opportunity to see that change is possible out the gate, um, and I'm grateful for that. But my backstory, um, I was a 18-year-old kid, just like countless other teenagers in this country. 
Um, I took a ride with an older relative, a cousin. Had never been in trouble before. I was actually active duty uh, military, United States Air Force. Um, and, you know, there's a little bit of rebellious rebelliousness in me, but I agreed to give my cousin and his older friends a ride up the street where they said they was, you know, going to run into a place with a BB gun um, and get some money. You know, and that's what I did. I was the driver. They ran into a place with a BB gun. Um, nobody was physically harmed, but, you know, mental, emotional trauma is very real. So I never, never want to, you know, count that out. Um, but from there, I ended up getting sentenced to actually 144 years in prison. Um, we ended, Yeah, we ended up getting caught in the Commonwealth of Virginia. You know, there's no accessory law out there. Hmm? Yes, the Commonwealth. That's where we are, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and there's no accessory law at that time in the Commonwealth of Virginia. And I was this teenager who had never, you know, been involved or faced the legal system at all whatsoever. Um, and I was facing multiple life sentences because they charged me just like I went up in the place or, you know, into the establishment. And also a BB gun gets treated just as a regular firearm um, in the Commonwealth, you know. Wow. Um, yeah, so that, that's, that's initially, I guess, um, the beginning of my journey, in a sense. Yeah. Wow. Sure. So, hi, Chris. This is Summer. So just um, walk us through that day, of, you know, in the courtroom when you – heard that, you know, your sentencing, like what, what was your mental and how did you get prepared, you know, since you had, you mentioned that up until then you were just a normal, you know, kid, unfortunately things happened and got you landed where you were. So how, how did you, you know, feel that day? Man, that is a great question. And I'm so glad you asked it because it happens every day. Uh, The teenagers in courtrooms across the country, specifically black children, brown children. Um, As for myself, I didn't know the law. My family didn't know the law. So I remember I go from talking to my court-appointed attorney and thinking my court date would be at one point in time until they, at one point, they pushed my court date up. And they woke me up one morning about two months prior to my actual court date they rushed me into the courthouse or onto the bus. It was about 5.30 a.m. You know, you're shackled, your wrists, your ankles, all that. I get to the courthouse about 6.30, 7 o'clock by the time we get off the bus. Uh, and my lawyer, court appointed, comes back there, you know, right away, and he says, hey, the best I can get you is 35 years to do. Um, never been in trouble before. I knew it was a BB gun. I was like, there's no way I'm, I'm military. Like, you know, so uh, he said, I told him, I said, I can't do that. You know, he says, well, I got to tell him something. And I'm a 19-year-old kid, at, and I have to decide how much time I can give up or forfeit mm-hmm. or spare for my own life um, that will keep the court happy or the judge happy that I'm about to go in front of and that I'll mm-hmm. be able to live with when I get mm-hmm. home. And I remember... I remember I told the quarter point, I said, just get me home before I'm 40. Um, and I went in, you know, yeah, eventually I went into the, uh, into the court, courtroom. Um, you know, the lawyer said what he said and blah, blah, blah. And I was 
since I was given 144 years all suspended but 19 when it was all said and done. So at 19 years old, I was given 19 years to do. Jeez. Hmm. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. So like earlier, and you know, I, this is something that I, I've never actually said publicly, but I was in that same situation, pretty, not, not for robbery, but, you know, young in college, hungry for money. Right. So we said, we don't, you know, we got a way we can make some money. It was a check mm-hmm. situation. Anyway, I ended mm-hmm. up in Commonwealth of Virginia court and facing a lot of time. And, the, and the, the attorney came out, and I was actually involved in every city in Hampton Roads. So my parents oh, yeah. did the best they can for a couple of times to get me a very good attorney. But at that point, right. you know, I had, I had a court appointed. And he came out, mm-hmm. and he was like, they said they can suspend no jail time, but you got to take two felonies. And right. all I heard was, I can't vote no more. I can't. My my, I was at school to be a college administrator. I knew that wasn't going to happen anymore. Um, but because I didn't want to go to jail, I took it. I took it. Right. Fast forward, right. you know, after some advocacy, I've had my rights restored. I've had my, my felonies pardoned, simple pardoned by the, the governor a couple years ago. But just that so. time over my head, Feeling like my future was gone. How did you feel oh. after you feeling like yeah. you know I got this stigma over my head? I can't do nothing. How did you feel and how did you get through it? Yeah, uh, I can't. So after doing 17 years, essentially, I came home and I, to put things from 2003 all the way to 2020, I was incarcerated. I came home January 13th of 2020. I remember the tragedy with Kobe and his daughter and the other passengers. Yeah. And then, and then the world started ending. Um, I already had anxieties from coming home after 17 years, and in my city, I actually came home married. I married my wife while I was incarcerated, so I actually had a good foundation. But it was still a lot of anxiety tied to probation, time over my head, um, trying to get employment while they were shutting jobs down. It was a lot, but for me, I was able to cope because. My spirit, just spirituality grounded, my faith. Um, yeah. And then I, I always give credit to my wife. Um, she's, just, she's just, she's she's phenomenal. That's all I can say. She's truly my better half. And then I had, you know, my mother, she was with me. I just had some really strong pieces, you know, with me throughout this journey. And I tell everybody, you have to have support. And if you don't have yeah. it, then you got to go find it. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, so, let us know. So now we're in 2020, you know, COVID here and, you know, lots going on, but, you know, you have, you know, overcome your obstacle and, you know, you're out and, you know, life is, is for you is, is kind of beginning. So let us know where, how life began on that day up until now, what's going on. Yeah. So prior to me coming home, I was given an opportunity while incarcerated to lecture, um, you know, certain curriculums for certain colleges that were coming into the institution. I was able to create programs, and there was a lot of opportunities that I was given, you know, upon my release. So mm-hmm. I kind of knew where I was going, but COVID threw, you know, threw a monkey wrench in the plans. Um, that, on top of me being married, I moved right away to Georgia. I didn't want to stick around in the Commonwealth because, mm-hmm. you know, probation, you know, all of that, right? So right. for me, 
you know, just going forward, just looking at the whole situation, I had this mentality where it was like, I'm not giving up. I'm giving an opportunity. I'm going to make the best of it. Um, I started, you know, working on the basics. Like, I just went to work. I, any job I could get, I, I, I worked for a garbage company. I was on the back of a garbage truck. You know, I just did anything to just stay productive um, and just stay focused in that aspect. I did eventually go to therapy. I'm big on mental health. Um, mm-hmm. I went to therapy because I felt like, one, I went through a heck of a lot of trauma. Um, and I wanted to make mm-hmm. sure going forward I wasn't going to damage um, any relationships, take anything out, you know, on my spouse or anything like that. You know, I wanted to know my triggers, and I wanted to be able to to work on those things going forward. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I spoke on my support system. And then the other thing is I just refused to let anybody really write the narrative. Um, yeah. for people that were incarcerated. And because I know so many people that for what they see me doing right now, I know people that are doing way more. Yeah. Right. And then you and your wife opened up the school. I was looking online. I was, so tell me what's unique about your cosmetology school and who, who the students are. Yeah, so uh, Last and Land is the Beauty Institute. It's the first black-owned cosmetology school in Tucker, we offer four different curriculums, cosmetology, esthetician, nails, and instructor programs. I would say what's unique about us is um, we're very grassroots. We, we focus on cultivating the student because we understand that our trade, our industry, it's, it's a beautiful one. It's where you can impact people. Um, you become an ear, a shoulder, all those things. It's more than just being a stylist. Um, so we do a lot of self work. We do things like morning wake ups or morning meeting, you know, morning meetups. Um, we do affirmations. We also bring in different resources into the building because I want my students not to just know how to do hair or makeup or whatever it is. I want them to know how to run a business. So we bring in specialists that teach the students about financial literacy, um, credit. If students say they want to learn about Airbnb, I try to find somebody to come in and speak to my students, you know, at least once a month about something outside of the box as well. Um, And that's just been our strong suit. We've just kept really good people in the building. Mm -hmm. um, And we've we've just been able to create this awesome culture, you know, that that everybody's really appreciative of, and we are definitely appreciative of it because we get so much from it, you know. Where can they find out information about it, more about the school? Yeah. No question. So um, you can check us out at www.lastinglayersofbeauty.com. That's L-A-S-T-I-N-G, L-A-Y-E-R-S-O-F-B-A-U-T-Y.com. I am the co-owner with my wife, April Willers. And you can also check out a lot of the stuff I do on the advocacy side and mental health side and all that sort of stuff um, on any social media platform. You just type in the 100 tv um, and you're going to see that just that. You'll see that pop up. So you can check me out there. You can also check my wife out there as well. Um, we do a lot of relationship talks and stuff like that. Oh, good. Good, good, Yeah, good. yeah, definitely. I know we're going to – I mean, thank you so much for your information. I know we're about to close out, and I know you're big on mental health, and so so are we. So I just wanted to ask um, – we have two wrap-up questions here. What What advice would you give someone – that just got sentenced as far as mental mm. health going into that sentence? And then what advice would you give a young 
you know, black or brown person who are, is sitting there contemplating, should I do this? Should I not do it? What would you tell them? Right. Um, the first question is just guard your thoughts, guard your ears, guard your eyes. Be very mindful um, to what you're paying attention to while you're incarcerated. You can really focus on yourself. You can take your time to literally do all the self-work needed. As far as mental health, seek mental health. There is help behind those walls, but chances are you may not find the type of help that you need, so be vocal. If you don't have help with your immediate family as far as advocating for you, to, if you feel like mental health is going to be an issue, um, just make sure you're you're getting that out there to these organizations that are available. And to the young men um, that are thinking about getting into the streets, I just did a speech um, at a church I was able to go to, and it, it was basically that there's no reset button. There's no mm. reset button. Um, mm. This is not this is not call of duty, um, and it's okay. You know that you can have a beautiful life. You don't have to feed into the narrative or the trap that that's been set up for you. Um, right. And and that's really it, man. That I, and I, can I if I don't, I'm just gonna say this really quick. I asked this sure. young in two days ago. I asked the younger two days ago, I said, why are you guys so angry? You know, why are you not afraid to die? And he said, nobody loves me. He said, the only time we get honored, the only time we get honored, he said, my friends get honored when they die. They get put on T-shirts, jewelry. They get shouted out in songs. Oh, wow. These kids, they're no longer scared of death. So if anybody's hearing this, know that. Reach out to them because in that same conversation, by the end of it, we were having a productive one, and we were talking about his dreams and everything else. So, so just reach out to these youngins, man. Don't, don't, don't uh, sit by. You know why, yeah. why people are dying? Why these youngins are out here? Because they just need attention. That's it. Yeah. yeah. Oh wow, man. Thank you. That that hit home. I thought about that. Too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. Well, thank you, Kristen, for coming on the show. You shared a lot of information, man. I wish you the very best. Um, vice keep versa. Thank life. you guys for having me. No problem. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank All you guys. Right. Take care. All right. Thank you. We're going to take a quick break somewhere, and then we'll come back with another one of Is it your topic? I don't know if it's your topic or mine, but we'll be right back. Okay. You've been listening to Let's Face It with Will Strayhorn and Friends. We'll be right back. The odds of becoming a signed artist and having four number one albums, one in 100 million. The odds of going on to win seven Grammy Awards, one in 1.4 million. The odds of this performer having a child diagnosed with autism, 1 in 68. I'm Tony Braxton, and I encourage you to learn more at AutismSpeaks.org slash signs. Autism Speaks. It's time to listen. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. You're now listening to Let's Face It with Will Strayhorn and Friends. Now back to the show. All right, Summer Rain. That was a <laughs> Good interview. I can't get over. I'm gonna give me it a t-shirt. Was. Yeah, was. it was. He's spreading light. Yeah. So our um, next guest will be calling in shortly, Miss Nisha B. Um, she has a good story too. She's been through a lot. But while we're waiting for her, um, was it your topic? I think it was your topic, right? Uh, I, I, I'm fine. Um, so I have a question. Here we go. Okay. So. Do you think this is disrespectful? Man, a man, a guy says he is, you know, in a relationship with a woman. 
and he's ready to marry her. She has kids, though, not by him. Mm-hmm. So he feels like once they get married that the kids, now I'm a caveat, he did not specify if the kids' fathers are in their life or not. So we're just going to take that part of it, the mm-hmm. part out of it. But he said that once he marries the wife, when he marries the woman, that the kids should now call him dad. So he thinks it's disrespectful for you to call, like, say his name is Robert. So the kids call him, like, Mr. Robert. He said, no, I am taking care of you. I am feeding you. So, and I married your mom, so you should call me dad. What? So he's forced. Yeah. So that should be organic. That should be, I don't think that's anything that you should say, okay, now you have to do that because me and your mom are married. That should be something, that's number exactly one, that the parents should be so, I mean, the kids should be so in love with you that they, they want to do that or have a name for you, you know, Paul, whatever. But I don't think mm-hmm. I don't think that's right for him to, for him to try to force the kids to do that. No. And if I was the biological father, I would have an issue with that. I would have an issue with that. Yeah. What do you feel about it? How do you feel? Absolutely. I, I don't, he said the specificity of it, he said it was disrespectful. And I don't think that it's disrespectful for them not to call you dad. So, you know, you have twofold. You either have the father in the life or the father not in the life. So mm-hmm. if the father's in the life, then no, they have a father. They're, the father is active. They're perfectly fine to call you Mr. Robert, Mr. Bill, mm-hmm. whatever, you know, whatever the case may be. If the father's not in your life, then I still think that it's a conversation between the mom and the dad and the children on what he should be called. I don't think it just automatically warrants you to be their dad. Right. You know, like if it's, if it's an or, like you said, an organic thing, like, you know, it comes natural. We've been dating as the mom for like five years and, you know, I feel like you're my dad. I feel like you're going to be here. Okay. But, just because you marry her doesn't mean I go from calling you Mr. Robert to dad. To dad, right. You or know? that you're entitled for that. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. So that was the conversation. And a lot of people, uh, another girl on the topic said that, you know, she has a stepfather. Her dad wasn't in her life, but she still cons- she still calls him, you know, Mr. Pop Pop or something like that. She doesn't mm-hmm. call him dad. And she was like, you know, stepfather's been in her life majority of her life so she was like it's not you know it just depends but and i didn't I think wonder, it was disrespectful it didn't mention the ages did it no he didn't mention the age of the children no okay yeah, yeah but the forcing of it yeah was a bit much for me i was like that's not that's and he was like well if that's the case then i would just you know, if they don't call me dad, then I'll just be like, well, those are your kids. So basically wow. saying that. I, yeah. That also seems like that should be a conversation before the marriage. Because that can potentially right. create, yeah. So yeah. then what do you do? So, what do you do if you guys disagree, if you can't come to some type of uh, amicable agreement to whether my kids have to call you daddy or not? I mean, is that enough for you to be like? Because that would create issues. I'm out. If you, I'm out. If you, you, <laughs> girl, it don't take Look, a lot. Look, I'm trying. 
trying to stay in these days, but like there's a limited <laughs> amount of things that I'm in. Y'all caught me on a bad season right now. Oh Lord. Okay. All right. But yeah, yeah. no, I feel like that's a. I feel like something. A little bit of me feels like that's controlling. And I feel like I don't want to step over that line because the moment that we get married, it's more things that could, you know, potentially like you want to control. Yeah, yeah. So, no, that's true. So, yeah, that's yeah. true. Okay. Well, that's almost similar to the situation, you know, with Eva from Real Housewives of Atlanta. So, ah. you know, she married the successful businessman, um, Michael Sterling. And mm-hmm. Michael adopted her daughter from a past relationship and raised her as his own along with their two kids that they had together. Mm-hmm. Eva filed for divorce. Eva filed for divorce and is demanding that he pay support for all three kids plus spousal support. Is that, is that, should it be two kids uh-huh. with spousal support and the other, should no, go after no. the biological? What? You said No. All of we all came together. Mm-hmm. It's a package. No, <laughs> put the kids up like that's it's a enough. package and while I'm, we together. It's a package while we together. So when you divorce and when we split up, you still split up the family. We were still a family. How come we were a family when we were together, but now we're not a family? Now we gotta pick and choose Uno cards out of here and out of this deck and stuff. So, no, no, we are a family. So you pay for all of us, plus you run me my coins on this spousal support, too. Oh Absolutely. You took care of her like she was your own. You punished her, you know, when when she didn't do right. You know, you praised her when she did. Or he or she, I can't I don't, I don't remember what her first child is. Mm-hmm. But, you know what I'm saying? Like, but then you filed for divorce. So because you filed for divorce with the kids. Oh, nothing. Oh, nothing. No. The kids don't have anything to do with our marriage not working out. So if if all those kids were biologically yours and she still filed for divorce, does that mean that he don't get to pay for the kids? What just because the child is somebody else's means that he can say, "Oh, I only want to pay for my two? Now, what if that child found that out? How do you think that that would feel? How do you think they would feel? Let me say let me say this, and I don't know if it's all the way true, and then I'm going to throw it over to you. But my parents got divorced a long time ago. And through the grapevine, I was about 18 at the time, but I heard that in the court documents that it was specified that my dad said she's 18, I want to emancipate her. Now, I am my daddy's whole child, okay? Okay. He can't deny me. Yeah. So he wanted to only pay for my sister, my brother, in child support and not me, even though I was still 18 in college. Technically, you're still supposed to take care of them up until they are a certain age when they go to college. Right. Yeah. So my own father, and man, so how do you think that that made me feel? Like my own yeah. father said, I don't want to pay for her. Yeah, yeah. Well, okay. So, that's, your, that's, your, you that's, your, that's, your own, that's your own father. I can see no. Go ahead. I, I no. I'm, just, I'm uh, just looking at the situation. I understand that you get attached to your kids and they become mm-hmm. like your own. 
But I guess it's that man part of me that when you, I do this because I love you. I want to prove to you that I'm all in this. So, yes, we're going to have our own two kids. And the child that you have that is not with me, I want to show you how much I love and devote to the family. So I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to adopt this child as my own. But then you decide that you don't want me no more. Okay, well, mm-hmm. be, I'm upset. I'm mad. Now, I guess that does look bad to the child, but I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how I feel. I think it's the fact that I'm sure that he did this out of devotion and love and commitment to the marriage and her. Mm-hmm. And then she up and divorced him. Now, pay me, now run me my money is what she's saying for me and these three kids. So I'm just, it, that's just me being petty. That's probably just me being petty, but I would have a serious attitude. You want my dollars, but you're trying to leave. But so wait, did she, did he did he adopt the child? You said he adopted well, yeah, her, he, right? So yeah, he, yeah, he went and so, adopted the child. Mm-hmm. So technically, that's his child. So if anything, think about it. If anything were to happen to Eva right now, he adopted that first child, plus the two are his. So. Don't he take all three of them? You're right. You're right. You're right. I didn't You're say right. anything. I just asked the question. <laughs> <laughs> you are absolutely right. Okay. All right. Well, you know, it looks like our second guest did not show, but that is cool. We still had a great conversation. Um, I want to thank you for being my first guest co-host. Will you come back? I had a great time. Thank you for inviting me. That's good. That's good. It went by extremely fast, like I told you. It would. Um, Yeah, we just have one last closing segment. So this is something that I added to the show. When When I told you guys back in 2019 that I was going away, you know, I did some studying. I became a transformational life coach. Um, So when I come back, after this quick break, um, I have our moment of truth segment. I want to talk about something that happened to me that, you know, was a real eye-awakener. So uh, we'll be right back. You've been listening to Let's Face It with Will Strayhorn and Friends. We'll be right Imagine being fired because of who you love. Imagine being denied medical treatment because of who you marry. Imagine being evicted because of who you are. Millions of Americans don't have to imagine this. They have to live it. Because in 30 states, it's legal to discriminate against LGBT people. Get the facts at beyondido.org. Brought to you by the Gill Foundation and the Ad Council. You're now listening to Let's Face It with Will Strayhorn and Friends. Now back to the show. Okay. Right, so moment of truth. Oh, a, a couple of weeks ago, and I talked about this uh, with my friends. So a lot of people don't know that I'm also a hairstylist, hair and makeup artist. I have a hair salon here in Virginia Beach. Well, you know, on this book in the app, I have a 5.0, and this out of 172 ratings. But I had this client who came in. She got a haircut, and I swear to you, I really think that she had a scalp condition because she contacted me like a day later and told me that she had like 
red irritation around her whole hairline. So I was like, you know, did you, did, were the, sh- the scissors or the clippers sharp? And she was like, I don't know. I was like, well, you know, you can come back in and let me take a look at it, which she did not do. But what she did was she left me a one-star rating. A one-star rating. That has never happened to me. But, you know, it took me through this downward spiral. Um, I just felt rejection. I felt not good enough. I felt embarrassed. Um, I started doubting myself. And I started going through what's known as the imposter syndrome, just having a pity party for myself. Um, And after I came to myself, because I talked to a couple people, you know, how I felt about it, because I had 171 good good ratings. Gave me a 5.0. That's a perfect rating. Um, but when you get in these situations, you know what you got to do? You got to do two things. I had to face the facts, and I had to check the receipts. There were 171 other people on this app that thought I was freaking amazing. Just praised me. Um, told me that they've had the best style they had. That I've done their weddings, referred me everything but I'm so focused on this one negative response and you know not to say that if it was something that I did that I shouldn't be um, remorseful for it because I would but I really don't think it was anything I did um, and then I had to let go of perfectionism I had to realize that if it happened it happened I apologize for it I even refunded her money she didn't ask for it but I refunded her money because I'm used to my clients having uh, amazing business. Um, and then I had to decide to just move past it. I still have a 5.0 rating. Thank God that 1.0 rating didn't change anything. I have a 5.0 rating. And, you know, I've received good ones after that. So what's the truth here? The truth is that falling short, you know, losing and being wrong on occasion are all part of the job. That's all a part of life. But don't let it define you. Learn from your mistakes and continue to move forward. So that's my truth for the day. And again, I want to bring back my girl to the show. Thank you so much, Miss Summer Rain, for coming on yeah. the show. I really appreciate you. I can't wait to see you in August and oh, in a couple okay. weeks. I'm going to see about getting you back on the co-host because I really had a good time talking with you. Awesome. I had a great time too. And you All are right. not an imposter. You are wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Until next week, everybody, be blessed, and I'll talk to you then. Thanks for tuning in to tonight's show. I hope you get a chance during the week to visit our site at livewithwill.com for up-to-date show information, including exclusive opportunities and exciting upcoming interviews. Be sure to tune in next week, same place, same time, for another informative show of real people, real topics, real talk. Let's face it, 